Hello and welcome to Headliners. I'm Simon Evans. Joining me tonight we have Eric McElroy and Andrew Doyle. Good evening, gentlemen. Hello. How are you? Once again, some kind of confusion over the dress code. Oh, there really is, isn't <laughs> there? I'm quite envious of this, this sort of paisley patterned thing. brave with colour, as my wife <laughs> well, would say. Well, I've seen what Leo Curse wears on the show and I'm yeah, trying to true. up my game. And at least you're not sort of, there's no racial epithets or anything visible? Uh, no, not there visible. There is that, at least. Not yeah. Visible. Oh, you've got a few woven into the paisley Tucked there. Tucked in. Tucked in. Maybe put a disco light on you the, uh, <laughs> that brings out the secret message, like the onion skin. How, how are you, Andrew? I'm, I'm very good, but I'm not feeling as funky as that. That is a no. funky look. You know? Well, no, but you're a serious player, aren't yeah. you? That's, <laughs> you know. Bland, I think, is the word. Bland. <laughs> so let's see what the newspapers have got lined up for us. Tomorrow morning, this is uh, Friday morning's uh, newspapers. You might be watching this on Friday morning, of course. We start with the Daily Telegraph. And they have Britain to send 8,000 troops to Eastern Europe. And there is a photograph on the front page there of Scott Sibley, 36, who is the first... Uh, British serviceman to be killed by a Russian bombardment uh, yesterday. Very sad news. We also have Mandarin defies ministers over working from home. The Independent have a happier image on their front page. That's Ben Stokes, who five years after a street fight threatened his career, was yesterday named as the England Test captain. Meanwhile, the Tories are failing to act on MP who watched porn. Didn't just watch it, watched it on his phone in the House of Commons with... Uh, female uh, uh, MPs next to him, I believe. The Guardian has got Biden defies Putin's threats by doubling aid for Ukraine. An extraordinary photograph there of what I believe is a young Ukrainian lad in a bombed-out truck cabin. And uh, a couple of little sidebars there. The PM urged to act swiftly over porn watcher MP pollution over who limit in almost every UK home. The Financial Times is also leading with the Biden uh, aid story. Biden asked Congress for 33 billion in extra aid to support Ukraine. They also have a story not covered elsewhere. China in worst shape in 30 years, says big Hong Kong private equity investor. That's the kind of slightly dull but important story that the FT will cover and that might well have more ramifications for world financial health than is easily anticipated. A step nearer justice for my James on the Daily Mirror. Uh, this is the murder of James Bulger, which I expect some of our younger viewers will not even remember. 1993, a lot of time has passed, but it is likely now that there may be a public inquiry nearly 30 years on into the early release of his killers. And the Daily Express... Barely able to conceal their delight, uh, trumpeting the death of BBC licence fee in funding shake-up. Picture of the Queen on the front page there, looking delighted at the news as well, but I think it's a, a, a separate story entirely. The Metro has Brit killed in Ukraine. Again, Scott Sibley there, uh, his uh, sad death, the first known UK casualty, and a story about uh, some TV stars who are not quite as nice as the characters they play. Daily Star, finally, shame of Britain, disorder, toxic booze problem, blamed for sleazy MPs, one Tory watched porn, another is charged over a car crash, and a top Labour MP is labelled a bully. Well, we will be covering all of those stories. Those are the headlines. So we'll kick off with some sad news about a British fighter in Ukraine, Andrew. Yes, this is Scott Sibley, who, as you saw, appears on a number of the front covers mm -hmm. uh, tomorrow. 
Uh, yeah, this is very sad. This is um, um, a British soldier. Used to, had served in Afghanistan, went out to fight in Ukraine. Not, uh, not as part of the British Army. I mean, I suppose no. we should emphasise that. It's obviously this is not a... a uh, we have not crossed that line. No, absolutely. In fact, yeah. the Foreign Office has said explicitly they don't yeah. want people to go out and fight. Yeah. Although there has been some confusion because Liz Truss mm. said she uh, unequivocally supported those who did. So there's, yeah. that's a sort of separate issue. In regard to Scott Sibley, 36 years old, a father... Uh, he's, he's the first confirmed uh, British individual who's been killed in mm. this, in this uh, conflict. Uh, of course, there's been lots of tributes coming in uh, now, by all accounts. Do we uh, have any idea know. how many uh, British in well, independent individuals have gone over there? Uh, well, I mean, you, interestingly, the Russians have published a list of 100 what they call British mercenaries yeah. who yeah. are out well, I there. Guess that is and fair enough. That's probably the correct term. It just carries well, a bit of a taint. But, uh, it implies pay, you're being paid to do yes. it, and I don't think that is Soldiers the case. of so, fortune, then, you've got Yeah, so, so, I mean, I, I imagine there are uh, a fair few, and Scott Sibley is the first yeah. uh, one who is, who is being killed. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, very, very sad. It's sad. Anything to add to that, Eric? No, I mean, it's, it's awful. I mean, for the Russians to talk about mercenaries when they were bragging at the beginning that they were going to mm. bring in a bunch of Syrian soldiers oh, yeah. is a bit rich, of course. Well, it is but... funny how... I say, is it funny? It is uh, curious how there is a taint that attached, attaches to mercenaries. I think mm -hmm. there are different cultures. There are different uh, empires which have been built entirely with mm -hmm. mercenary forces and they are often regarded as being superior to conscripted soldiers. I mean, there is an argument that they're a far more moral way in which to, you know, to support your territorial ambitions, if, if that's what you want to do, to, to hire men who understand the, the, uh, the risks yes. and, uh, and are being amply rewarded for taking those risks rather than to get a bunch of 19-year-olds yeah, and sure. lure them into the idea that this, them. you know, yeah. I mean, God, none of it's very pretty, is it, at the end of the it's day? Not. But Scott Sibley obviously knew what he was doing. He's, yeah. he's, uh, he, he's, of course. Uh, you know, and he's, uh, he's to be, um, be honoured. Well, it goes. I mean, it goes some way. It's a testament to the strength of feeling behind this that people are going. I mean, yeah. there were similar. There were yeah. people who went out to fight against ISIS, of course, as well. Yeah. You know, so it, it, yeah. it's it's clearly this was a passion to him. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Well, we salute you, Mr. Sibley, and I'm sorry to hear of your end, Eric. First story from Westminster this evening. Quite a few we yes. have racked up of. MPs behaving badly. So this is, I mean, this is one way to find out who some MPs are, because I'd never heard of <laughs> Liam Byrne before. Um, a Labour MP, this is a story from The Times, suspended for the Commons for bullying his sta a, a staff member of his. Mm. Um, he's a Labour cabinet minister. Um, so, you know, I think that Labour saw how well the Tories were doing with uh, controversy and so I decided to step in. But this he, was a while ago, wasn't it? He was, uh, he, he was doing this, was he doing this during his time when he was in office or is it more recent? Uh, well, he was doing it to somebody in his constituency office. So, yeah. um, so it was a while ago, because 2019 is when the person was working ago. for him, yeah. so a few years ago. Because um, his most famous, sorry to interrupt you, yeah. his most famous, the only thing he was famous for was leaving a rather sarcastic note when the yeah. Tories took over from Gordon Brown. Oh, he was yeah. the one who left the note in the Treasury office. Yes, oh, I mean, yeah. so that's why I'm surprised right. you haven't heard of him. Yes, so he I'd was forgotten the, about he was the that. Chief yeah. Secretary of sorry, the Treasury. No, no, there, no money left. There's no money left. Yeah, yeah. There is no money. And I always quite liked him for that, to be honest. Now he's got another reason for us to remember who he is, which is good. It's always, it's like Bruce Forsyth. I said, you've got, to, you've got to keep it, you know, every so, you, every so often you have to kind of make your name I mean, again. Get that has been over 10 years now, I suppose. Yeah. Since that was 10 so years. So what was the bullying yeah. amounted to? Was he like lunch he, well, money? What was he it? ostracised um, his member of staff named David Barker. He denied David access to his IT account mm. and he broke off contact with him, which, I mean, it is bullying. Pretty That's petty. not yeah, good. No, it's it, not nice. It man. sounds like stuff that would happen with my kids. Like, you can't play with the IT account. Yeah. I'm not talking to you and don't touch my toys. Um, what I liked was that Liam has been 
uh, told to write a letter of apology, mm. um, which made, made me think of Bart Simpson in the opening credits, just right. Yes. I will yes. not ostracize <laughs> my members of staff. Well, I don't know how sorry he's. I mean, he was doing it. This was a sustained thing. Yeah. There were all sorts of things like him, him wiping access to his, uh, to his computer. Uh, really? Ch yeah, changing, making, making his passwords void. This kind of strange behaviour. I wouldn't behavior. even do that to my wife. No, it's... it's <laughs> I don't have to. She's it's easily thrown so but, but, but also, this it? is the equivalent of ghosting. Yeah, I mean, he's basically yeah. not replying to messages, emails or anything like that. And his excuse was, well, I wasn't his line manager. And it's... I mean, it is a weird... A, a sort of... Mm nasty, passive-aggressive type of bullying when you just ignore someone. Yeah, in yeah. a sense, it's worse, I think, that kind of thing. Well, I mean, it, it, yeah, it can certainly... It messes with your mind, yeah. doesn't it? Which yeah. can be very unsettling, yeah. You're not quite sure that anything is going on. Am I imagining it? You know, yeah. that's yeah. kind of part of it, yeah. But being, you know, suspended for two days from the House of Commons... Just two days. I mean, it's a bit of a farce anyway. Yeah, but it's... Yes. I mean, this is his main punishment, is being spoken of in these terms on GB News, isn't exactly. it? That is it's definitely... Kind of, you know, you'll you'll be suffering. to get up from that now, Harry. Very disappointing. Andrew, uh, part two, MPs behaving badly. This one has picked the excuse du jour to explain his trans. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Say his obviously his Trav just stopped on the word trans, which is not appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> this okay. is Jamie Wallace, um, and of course Jamie Wallace has been in the press a great deal recently uh, because uh, he came out as trans, mm. although said he wanted to use male pronouns yeah. still and, and retain all the accoutrements of, of maleness, mm. etc. Um, but, you know, there's been all sorts of issues surrounding Jamie Watts. So this was the car crash that he was involved with. Yeah. Um, and now he's been charged for and it. And the car crash, so, it, it wasn't that it, the crash itself no, was criminal, but he, he left the scene of the accident. He left the scene, And failed. just to be clear, the, the, the implication is that had he remained there, he may have been subjected to That's right. I mean, you've got to... We all know you can't... You have to report yeah. these things. Yeah. And he failed to report it. He's now been charged as a result of that. One of the reasons that he gave though, was that he had, he claims that he was raped and that obviously this has, uh, as it would, caused uh, all sorts of psychological problems. He yeah. was blackmailed, you know, all sorts of horrible things like this. So He, he said, he said he would, um, he'd been using a, a sort of dating site or something, hadn't he? And I yes. think he'd been trying to sort of explore his sexuality, come to terms with it, and, yeah. and he had, he, he'd had some hookups and, and some of them had gone wrong and this was one of the ones that had gone wrong. Yes. All of which sounds horrific, but... I don't know, maybe even just saying but after the back. I mean, it really is horrific. But I think his constituents have the right to expect that if somebody is spiralling out of control like that in their private life and no longer able to obey the law in some fairly straightforward matters... Oh, I mean, of well, course, you, you, can't, you, you, you can't... You can't carry on, can No, I mean, you? you can't be an elected representative and you, you break no. the law in this way. Yeah. You know, but, but everyone... Um, obviously, everyone has complete and utter sympathy for someone who's yeah. in that position where they're being blackmailed, where they've been raped, etc. But no, of course, I mean, he has to be held accountable uh, for all of this. And, and it, it just seems that it is one thing after another uh, yeah. with, with James And Bond. is there, I mean, am I out of order saying this? Is there a little bit of suspicion that when you reach for some of these things in order to, uh, you know, exculpate yourself, you know, you shift the centre of focus of attention? Not, I mean, claim, claim of rape, not that, but to say I'm trans. I had issues when I was young. My doctor uh, explained to me that I seem to be having some sort of gender dysphoria. I now realise... That I'm trying, but no, no male pronouns, no change in dress, no change in habits. Well, it, it, it all just smacks a little bit of somebody who's trying to throw up squid ink, doesn't it? Well, it, you, it does you distract know I mean? from the, you know, I mean, you know, uh, 
a couple of years ago when he was running. He was, you know, depicted his father with with a married man with with children, and you know, but no one's talking about infidelity or anything like that. No, the kind no. of scandal that you would, because everyone's talking about how brave he is for coming yes. out and being the first openly transgender yeah. member of parliament. So look, I d can't read his mind. I don't know whether there is an element of dis uh, a distracting no. technique there, or whether all of this is sincere and, co and coincidental. I don't yeah. know. But well, you give the man the benefit of the doubt, but I certainly yeah. think his constituents have have the right yeah. to uh, express a degree of dissatisfaction. What do you think, Eric? Well, I mean, I mean, overall, with all these scandals happening, I mean, it does feel like there's a top trumps going on yeah. between the oh, MPs yeah. at the moment. That you know, you've got the porn watching going on, the bullying going on over here. You know, I mean, are they daring each other to do these things? <laughs> like, go steal some candy from a baby. Yeah. What's the next level? They're being I mean, exposed as a shoddy third-rate cohort, aren't they? Yeah. In, in, well, I mean, well, Jamie Wallace was also implicated in a sugar daddy website, yes. dodgy website. Oh, really? Ago, so I wasn't meaning that when I mentioned candy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's just coincidence. Yeah. But there seems to be quite a lot going on. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there's certainly a lot going on in, in, in that particular example. Eric, next story is about the Electoral Commission, and this is in the Independent, so no doubt the government have done something dastardly and, uh, and unscrupulous. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe this is, I mean, maybe this is all part of the plan, the cynical part of me would say, that, you know, you've yeah. got these little scandals about bullying, and not little, but a car accident and so on. Yeah. But here, the Electoral Commission is concerned after the Tories pushed through a vote in the uh, House of Lords yeah. um, to seize control of some of the mechanisms of our elections. Um, the vote came through in the House of Lords on Wednesday night after yeah. it had been knocked back on Monday. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the headline should be unelected House of Lords failed to protect democracy. The funny thing about the House of Lords, I mean, there's all sorts of funny things about the House of Lords, and mm. I said you wouldn't certainly reverse engineer it, but its natural bias is actually anti the government. It's because it's, yes, they've got a majority opposition. Yeah, yeah, yeah majority opposition, and it, and and they and and that's sort of permanent as yeah. well. So it's the, the the sort of traditional view of the House of Lords, I suppose, essentially as being a bunch of old aristocratic duffers, is actually it's not that. It, they are they they do tend to be very much more sceptical. Yeah, uh, certainly of any kind of radical legislation. They are generally speaking like a you know a temperate uh, you know they they are like the ocean surrounding the you know uh, the, the the island and uh, and achieving a deal. It's unusual that some. Thing slips through in this. There would well, normally have been a majority in the House of Lords that would have defied it. They did a bit of a fast one because it got knocked back on Monday and they brought it in Wednesday night without much notice. Right. And so it was the Conservative Lords that were there and the yeah. ones who would have voted against it weren't because they right. apparently didn't get uh, warned that this was happening. Yeah. And this is, I mean, a bill, if you're concerned about democracy, yeah. um, this is the government seizing control of an independent commission. Hmm. This is bringing in the voter ID things, which are the definition of voter suppression. There is no voter ID problem because this is a big thing in the US as well. It's, it's a, you think it's that true. is the definition of suppression, is being required it, the, to show who well, you are in order to vote? The, the, the claims of fraud that are being prevented by the lack of voter ID yeah. are just not proven. There is just no right. wide-scale voter fraud in either in the UK... Do, do you think it would suppress it, though? Do you think people who can't find uh, ID should be allowed to just vote anyway? It's, it, the studies have shown that it disproportionately affects people that, from lower incomes and from minority mm. communities and maybe, you know, who are less... The, the more um, I up hear on the day about it, the, the more I like it. What do you think, Andrew? <laughs> well, I mean, well, that's the point, isn't it? That it it becomes politicised because uh, the demographics more likely to vote for the left are, are less likely yeah. to secure voter ID. But I also find it very patronising the idea that minority groups can't get hold of an ID. You know, they know mm. full well how to get hold of an ID. It's not uh, hard in this country as well. There are, I think, in America, it's a slightly different calculation. Probably some of the ideas were a little bit harder to get hold of. But uh, but but it's it's uh, one thing this article doesn't really uh, make clear is is why the Conservative Party 
are pushing this through and they want this, uh, mm. this involvement with the Electoral Commission. It, it, well, they want control. I mean, well, I mean that would be the conspiratorial kind of... Well, I mean, that's they're taking control through doing this legislation. Yeah. I think they might be forgetting that eventually, I mean, hopefully they will, you know, they, they would, unless they seize total control, be out of power, and then they're essentially giving something to a future Labour government. It is interesting. There's a, I mean, there are some people, I, I, I don't dive that deeply into it, but there are, there are a lot of people who feel that under the Blair administration, this is an example of a, of a commission that was set up under the Blair administration, mm. I think 2001, something like that. There were an awful lot of such commissions and quangos and other non-governmental organisations and, yeah, quasi. quasi. And, um, and, and they, were, they were, you know, staffed um, overwhelmingly by sort of Blairite or yeah. even further left individuals. And, and one by one, a lot of people who voted for Johnson would like to see them either dissolved or ratcheted down a couple of notches or reined in because yeah. there is a sense that a huge amount of our democracy has been sort of farmed out to these people who are not actually accountable. So in a, mm. in a funny way, the exact opposite would be their view, that actually this makes the Electoral Commission answerable to the electorate. Well, they've said that yeah. explicitly. It's about accountability. And I would, yeah. I would agree when it talks about these quangos that they have, they yeah. have a bias. They have, you know, they're not helpful. No, that's right. And then there are people like the chap in the Independent who talk about them as if they are something that have been there since time immemorial, yeah. and that the Johnson <laughs> government are trying to tear down our great institutions. And they are all sort of, you know, the smell of new carpet is still evident as soon as you <laughs> enter the premises. Okay, so that's that. And Andrew, <laughs> Jacob Rees-Mogg admits to self-harming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, self-harming um, uh, uh, limitations on, on food imports. Yes, so he's now, uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg, as you know, is the Brexit Opportunities Minister, is saying that he's going to scrap. You find that a funny title? That's, <laughs> it's, it's an ironic title. Sorry, I didn't mean to... Um, he's he's uh, decided to scrap the um, food, uh, the checks on EU food yeah. imports, OK? Yeah. And, Which uh, is a unilateral sort of uh, checks. It doesn't mean that the EU are not going to uh, check our food on the way out, is that? No, no, no. This is something that this was always going to happen. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's just pushing it back. And the reason he's pushing it back is because of the cost of living crisis. Yeah. Also, the rising gas and energy prices as a result yep. of the invasion of, of, of Ukraine. Um, and apparently, these checks that would have been implemented uh, would have led to rising costs. Some of them quite uh, extreme. I mean, according to this article, I'm not sure if I believe this, that it's small deliveries like cheese, and it says here cheese specifically, you could have up to a 71% increase in cost. Wow. Which, I mean, can that be right? That's, uh, yeah. Well, some things are funny, isn't it, what costs things? I mean, you, you know the famous thing with the bottle of wine. Like, if you, if you, until you spend at least six quid on a bottle of wine, all you're spending money on is bottle... Yes. Tax, transport, transit, you know. Right. And you have to spend at least six quid before you spend 20 pence on the wine. OK. There are, there are some well, things before... It's, it's a weird kind of calculations. It may well be that with, you know, cheese, that might be the... Well, maybe. I mean, it seems like this is just a sensible thing. And like you say, it, you know, it would have been a, an act of self-harm economically. That's what he thinks, yeah. Just to keep it going. And it's, yeah. it's you know, it's, I think it's quite... It's quite sensible to say, you know, we'll, we'll postpone this. Well, we'll, there's clearly, I mean, a lot of, there are a lot of supply chain problems at the moment, aren't there? Yeah. And anything we can do to loosen them? What do you think? Are well, I think we can redefine, you know, Theresa May said uh, uh, Brexit means Brexit. I think now we can safely say Brexit means self-harm, um, <laughs> as the Brexit minister himself has said. So by implementing the policies he advocated, we would have a that 71% increase on cheese, which would cut up to 71%, yeah. which means, you know, no French cheeses, which means we're still stuck with just all of the cheddar in this country, which I still can't. Cheddar is so wonderful, much cheddar. Though. You cheddar like you're an American. You get your I cheese did. in a can. We know oh, how you so guys. So good in a can. <laughs>
spray cheese. <laughs> yeah. People, yeah. Are, delicious. people are so vulgar. Spray it in. It's you so, know, the funny thing is about yes. when you try and make burgers for your kids, uh, the, the cheapest, nastiest, most chemically yes. synthetic <laughs> cheese, that's the oh. key to making them enjoy it. If you put a slice of cheddar on a burger, they won't touch it. But as long yeah. as no, it's, it's sort of orange and dripping yeah. and bubbling, it's weird. You're making me hungry, Simon. It's, you can use almost any meat you want. It's weird, but they have to have the right kind of bun and they have to have the right kind of spray on cheese. Yes. It drives me insane. Horrible. Passport call centre chaos, and it's the French's fault I on mean, this occasion. <laughs> everything it's, is, it isn't is. it? They're yeah, trying to charge us too much for our cheese. They will and now not let us pass up. with let and oh. hindrance. <laughs> yep. So this is in the Telegraph, uh, but it's the company behind the passport call centre, yep. which is apparently being causing chaos and delays. They've been reprimanded by the Home Office, um, but uh, apparently they, they're, they're understaffed, and there's a surge in people trying to get passports for the mm, summer. It but it is a French company. It is. That is running our pass our what are they called? Teleperformance. Teleperformance. It doesn't sound French at all. Can you imagine calling up for your British passport and you're getting the hello, monsieur, for you the British passport? I would like the new silly little blue passport with you. We will get back to you. Apparently, Boris Johnson's on it, so don't worry. He even swore a bit, privatized the out of it, if they don't get on board with it. Did he say that? Did he swear a bit? He swore a bit. Do you remember when they were first talking about the new blue passports and everyone was mocking the idea that Brexit had been purely and then, and then it was yeah. discovered that those passports were going to be made. I think I think it was in France. It was yeah. certainly yeah. in Europe, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Or they were being distributed. The French just constantly have the opportunity to, to oh. screw it up, don't they? It, this process. it does feel like it's we're, we're just allowing them. Yeah. I mean, it, it is quite an extreme. I know because Martin, one of the producers of Headliners, he's he's currently waiting for his passport. He's been, I mean, it could be up to ten weeks. He's going on holiday in three, yeah, yeah. so we shall see what. My happens wife there, ordered but... the kids new passports because they reached that age where they need yeah. them every so often, and. Um, and she, and she got them and the kids signed them and she's lost them. Oh, no. Right. Yeah, yeah. She's just lost them in the house and now absolute panic a couple of nights ago. And now she was literally waiting at midnight last night, every night at midnight. Yeah. New appointments are made for the fast track ones. You get an appointment. It's now the 19th of May was when she got the appointment. She had to be on on the website at midnight, like 15 wow. appointments I mean, it's, come up. It's, it's obviously it's a bad system, insane. isn't it? I mean, and, yeah. and if you want the fast track, it's it's very, very expensive. Of course, mm. I say midnight in France. That's probably 11 p.m., isn't it? Perfectly probably probably reasonable <laughs> time. Yeah, that's that's why. My, my favourite part of the story, though, was yeah. that the company was, did not provide comment because apparently the reporter was still on hold waiting to reach them. <laughs> I wonder what they listened to in France. It wasn't probably <laughs> Frère Jacques or something. <laughs> uh, Andrew, number of children in custody is set to double by 2024. Uh, I assume yes. not in a good way. No, so the National Audit Office has made a projection... Um, uh, about the number of children that will be in custody. And they're saying, um, well, they say here that the average number of children in custody fell by 73% in the decade leading up to 2021. And just to be clear and here, when we say in custody, we're talking about having committed some sort of crime. Exactly. So yeah. ju juvenile, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, youth offending institutions. Um, and the forecasts now, according to the National Audit Office, is that it will double. So from that figure from 2021, which actually at that point was 343, mm. by the time we get to 2024, that's going to be 700. Uh, so that's still not that many. Well, well, I mean, it's, it's it, you know, it's not it's not great. Um, but the thing is, this is a projection. But as this article says that the reason uh, for this is this rapid rise or relatively rapid rise is a result of increased police recruitment, moves to tackle the court backlog caused by the pandemic. Right, so it's for good reasons, then. There it? are reasons. And, yeah. and, the, 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 and the police crime and sentencing bill, which has, in other words, we have a tougher system. Yeah. Now, but what's interesting here is then you've got people sort of talking about, I mean, Andrew Nielsen, who's the um, director of campaigns at the Howard League for Penal Reform, and he's saying 
that or, or these recent policy decisions risk sweeping more boys and girls into our failing criminal justice system. But they're not just picking children at random no. and locking them up. This is a failure of socialisation, surely. Sweeping they, they, them into the, not... into, the, into the justice system. Right. It's, so it's, there are... it's very uh, strange framing, isn't it? It, it seems like an odd way... Uh, where to put the blame yeah. on the criminal justice system for getting too strict, yeah. rather than saying, why are kids committing crimes and maybe we need to look into how we prevent that But is happening. 700 in a population of 50 million, is that a lot? I don't That's know. That's a good that question. doesn't feel like that. I mean, I know doubling sounds like a bad thing, but if yeah. you start from a low base and it's just because the police are detecting more of them, I don't know. I think a long-term is the solution, locking kids up or finding other ways to get kids uh, socialised yeah. in a way that they're not committing crimes. Also, of course, it's disproportionately minority students that are getting, or students, children that are getting swept up in this when it's half is the it? kids are from, um, um, from minority families. And that's, you know, when only... What do you 20, mean minority, like ethnic minority? Ethnic or minority or families, okay. yeah. Where only 22% of the UK is ethnic minority and 50% of these kids getting swept up in this And you, you see, that. you're using the swept up term, so you, I, you regard them as the victims. Well, I think that we have to look at Would other it be possible that, beyond that, that policing. The, the, the ethnic minority children are naughtier? I don't think is that that's the case You don't think that's the case? Okay. Well, no, but it's, it's very simplistic <laughs> to just put it, pin it down to institutional racism that has caused this. But we know from the CRED report that there are all sorts of reasons why we get these kind of disparities, yeah. ultimately. Yeah. And there are all sorts of factors that need to be investigated. I mean, it, the disparity is worrying and does need to be looked at. The CRED report was saying, let's find out why saying, it's Are you saying yeah. white kids are falling behind here? Is that what we're saying? They should be stepping up. Yeah. <laughs> well, they should go out and mug. White kids need to go out and mug more people. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I don't know how old are these kids. I mean, are we talking under about 14 17. to 16? No, teen, late, under 17. Late teens. They're talking here. In, yeah. Specifically, actually, the figures that I it's quoted. It's probably quite a narrow band, it's, I would it's imagine. It's 15 to 17. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so we're, not talk, we're not talking yeah. about little kids or anything. We're talking about... You're, probably ba you're basically talking about kids who've, who are going through a bit of a hormonal storm in my sure. life. This is always my view about it, and I know exactly what I would do about it, but you're not allowed to. You're, not, you're allowed to do it with your dog now. But anyway... <laughs> Uh, more crime <laughs> stories now, Eric, but uh, this is better news for criminals, this story. Well, yeah, I mean, this this is definitely under the headline of crime does pay, and it's a surprise that this many kids are going to jail at the moment because, according to The Telegraph, um, a record row of just 5.8% of crimes are being solved in the UK. I can't help feeling that's a I, statistic we should keep quiet about, it, does it? Yes. <laughs> I'm yelling that. What the hell is stopping 94% of crime is... I'm Not genuinely shocked by that figure. That is so low, isn't it? It's extraordinary. Yeah. And all, I mean, the article covers lots of stats about the different levels of crime that are not being... One, less than 2% of rapes are getting convicted. I mean, that's just... I mean, I know, I know of a lot of people who, who or, or anecdotally, I've heard of people who, when they're robbed, they don't bother going to the police. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. And I, I, I'm lucky it hasn't happened to me, so I haven't been in that position. But I, I can't believe this yeah. figure. How can it be the case that... How, uh, would, would, would it include those people, do you think? Are they making estimates based on well, they, crimes that aren't even being reported? Do you uh, no, 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 no. It, these are about... The, these, they're, they're people talk... have at least come to the police station. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. So, so it's, we all know that burglary, worse. like the clear-up rate for burglaries, is a ridiculously low. Yeah. Well, we know they don't basically try on that. But I had assumed that, mm, you know, like, for instance, uh, assaults on the street wouldn't yes. be, yeah. yeah. But then it makes it all the more absurd that the, the police are spending so much time uh, investigating and recording non-crime, non-crime yeah, yeah. hate incidents, investigating hate speech, things that people say online. I mean, you... Let's be honest, you don't have the time. No. You've got 94% of crimes that you're not yeah, yeah. solving, so those, get on with those. Maybe those are the only cases they can close. Yeah, so because they're too easy. That's what the 5.8% are. But, 
I wonder whether, I mean, just to give it a, a, you know, a creative spin, perhaps what, what we're missing here is the good news, which is that our society has achieved such a degree of stability that despite knowing that they've got a 94% chance of getting away with it, most people don't commit crimes. Mm, that's, yeah, you know, we, we are socialised, we are so utterly domesticated now, you don't safe. even need to do that, you know. Well, there's a lot of crime that's up, including fraud. It's not just violent crime. I mean, but most of that fraud has just been done by the Tory party, of course, yes. in Parliament. 94% of, of uh, MP <laughs> criminals. Andrew, uh, an ongoing story next that I know is very close to your heart. This is um, all to do with free speech and what have you. Yeah, so this is from The Guardian. Um, Elon Musk saying Twitter must be politically neutral. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, obviously, since uh, Elon Musk has bought Twitter, um, uh, there's been a, an absolute meltdown, complete hysteria from what I would call the identitarian left, the sort of uh, the people who call themselves left wing, but they're not really, but they're obsessed with group identity. And they're going absolutely nuts. You've got people like Kathy Griffin mm. saying that Musk is just doing this to promote white supremacy or whatever. Yeah. You've got absolutely People insane. referring to him as a child of apartheid. Yes. So it's uh, not a phrase I've heard about him. Apartheid you know, baby. That's and, what, and, and pretty unreasonable to be That's what Sean well, King said. But this is the thing. It's so infantile. It's, it's, it's just a demonstration of how not to behave as an adult in, in public discourse. Yeah. But the thing about it is people leave Jamila Jamil storming off Twitter and all the rest of it, which is fine, no great loss. But the thing is, all Elon Musk is now saying is, look, we need, we need it to be politically neutral, and that will upset, as he says, the far left and the far right. That will bother all of those people. And he's, he's pitching it at the 80% of normal people yeah. who don't get involved in these stupid culture wars which are you know, waged by these people on the extremes. Um, and it's very interesting, and I, I have to say, I mean, he used the word like an antibody reaction. I think he's absolutely right. It's extraordinary. There's the... the, the the previous like establishment of Twitter, the people who did feel that their views and they were they were the natural party of government within Twitter, as it were, the yeah. you know the left liberal, they are acting as though there is some kind of hostile body has entered the you know some some. Oh, they're of, going you know, crazy! I mean, the, the yeah. employees at Twitter as, are... as if they have an infestation of some. They are kind of like maddened, like a horse would be. You know what I mean? If, yeah. if, it, if it had fleas or something, there's an extraordinarily volatile reaction, and I think it tells us. And a great deal about the degree to which they have realised that they have been imposing their will on this platform and now its ownership is switching the potential for somebody else's will to be imposed. If they hadn't mm. been malpracticing, I don't quite know how to express this, if yeah. they hadn't been taking unreasonable advantage, if they had not been using the, the, the natural tendency of the Twitter establishment, the Twitter government or whatever to, to, to drift towards the left, to um, asymmetrically punish the right, yes. then they wouldn't, I suspect, have quite such a, a, an extraordinary visceral fear of what comes It next. must be that, because it's not as though Elon Musk is this far-right no. individual who's coming in. Absolutely not. And it, yeah, I mean, I think you're he's, on... He smokes weed on Joe Rogan's program, <laughs> you know? He's quite... He's, I mean, he's a bit of a libertarian. Obviously, he plays... He plays fast and loose with, the, you know, to, to get tax funding and you know, tax breaks and all the rest of it. But that's just, you know, you don't get to be the world's richest man without that kind of thing, obviously. But it's, I've never seen him talking about locking more people up or, no, no. you know, I've never even seen him talk about race and stuff. I think the one thing that they are concerned about, I honestly, they, they, they are presenting it as a threat, like the thing is going to be flooded with anti-Semitism and racial epithets and slurs. I suspect it's the trans issue, which has actually yeah. been mm. extraordinarily protected. They just want to be able to boot, boot people off the, the site for having yeah. opinions they don't agree with. That's yeah. it. Well, not just opinions, I think, for stating biological facts. Sure. I think that's what they're afraid is coming because I do think they have been using that particular issue, which is absurdly inflated beyond all actual importance, you know, for the vast majority of people, specifically in order to exercise a degree of 
kind of coercion over what you're allowed to think and say. You know, that's the Orwellian, like, you know, that's the Eastern Front in, yeah. in terms of that. And I think that's what they fear is coming. Eric, you, you look <laughs> probably a bit sceptical on that front, but, but it has There's been There's a lot of things to digest in what you've yeah. both said there. But, I mean, I, I, ultimately, I think Elon Musk is kind of trolling all of us, the left and the right, yeah. because he's, he is playing up and apparently angering people on the left-wing side. The right is excited about him coming in and taking over Twitter. He's going to say something soon, and he's going to offend them and make them all go off. Uh -huh. I mean, the sale hasn't even gone through, I don't think. So it's been partially accepted, but it's not, it's not actually happened. I think he's actually, all, he hasn't, he's, the check is in the mail kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, like it's right. not yeah. Quite it is. Oh, no, many a slip. But, That's true. Yeah. It is interesting as well. And some other people who know what they're talking about have said this. Obviously, it's not just my opinion. He is going to confront two major blockades to whatever changes he does want to make, yeah. whether he wants to just neutralise it or swing it to the right. One is the culture within the company itself. Yeah. You know, yeah, you yeah. cannot just sack everyone. You can't replace everyone's mindset. It's very much like Tim Davey coming into the BBC and saying, right, enough of these left-wing, you know, woke panel games. We're going to have more. You can't just do that. You know, you just no, cannot... But there are some things he can do which are very basic. Things yes. like just publish a terms of service that are unambiguous. Yes. That say, this is why you will be banned. Yep. Have a system where if you do get banned and you ask why, they tell you why. Yeah, have yeah. transparency. Don't have this Kafka-esque thing where you won't tell people why you've kicked them off. That, and, then it, and then it creates all of these problems. And, you know, all of this, he's not saying anything unreasonable. He's just saying we will have uh, free speech guidance within the law. And in, in other words... Well, that's the other gonna... thing I wanted to say, because the other thing he will confront is there are different laws in different countries and the right. laws have been... And we all know how we are concerned about the online hate speech bill or whatever, you know, in this country, but also in the EU as well. There are, you know... I mean, he's only saying, I want Twitter to be uh, a place where you can enjoy free speech as defined within the present law, within, yeah. you know, he's not saying that's that... That's totally reasonable. You know, yeah, but but it still will be difficult to, to police. But, I mean, uh, I think that... Well, the, tr the thing is, freedom of speech does not come with freedom to be on a platform, and I think that's been the whole thing with Twitter and all of these other yeah. things as well, and conflating the two things. If somebody's putting out misinformation, putting out things that are trying to bring down the government of the country that the company is based in, mm. that those people, you know, I can see why if I had a company, I wouldn't want those people on my platform either. Yeah, well, you were talking about Donald Trump trying to bring down the government. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you crack me up, Eric. Uh, more social media news now. Uh, this is uh, Facebook, I believe, That's and right. uh, maybe a related issue, possibly. Well, I think possibly. It's the story of two billionaire lovers, um, Elon Musk and uh, Mark Zuckerberg here. Um, so sh people shifting possibly away from Twitter, jumping onto what is called Meta now, is the corporate name for Facebook, um, because they were having a slow sales month the first quarter of this mm. year, but um, shares rose after they had an 18.9% increase um, in uh, activity activity on the, on the platform, because apparently some of those people maybe leaving Twitter have now jumped onto Facebook thinking that is better, that this is a better billionaire mm -hmm. who they're going to trust their lives and resources and communications to. Um, I mean, so maybe, you know, it's kind of like uh, Elon Musk saying these things that he's been saying, because he's kind of known for sort of sabotaging his own stock and doing that by coming yeah. out and saying these things as he buys Twitter. He might be pushing people onto another platform, sort of like, you know, Russia by saying, well, I want to invade Ukraine is push people into, you know, supporting NATO more. So sort of a, a Interesting pushing comparison. on one side yeah. and getting into the other. Um, but the other thing I noticed in this article that I put in there is that Pinterest um, is up as well, 10.4%. But I still don't understand what Pinterest is. I don't know. Is. I don't know what Pinterest it is. Pinterest is great, actually. I like Pinterest. You Essentially, you just look at lots of nice pictures. And, and well, if, if nice. it learns that you like vintage bicycles, every so often it goes, here's some more vintage bicycles. That sounds oh, quite charming. pictures of uh, ruined houses that have been taken back by nature and things. I mean, I have a number of things that it knows I like. <laughs> it's, it's, it's generally conceived, I think, in people's imagination to be a thing that 
um, largely, it's quite gendered. It's quite women prefer it. It's, I think there's a lot more women on it than men, and they use it as sort of style notes for decor and stuff. If they're planning what they'd like their barbecue pit area to look like, you're really selling it. That's why you look so no, sharp. It's great. It's lovely. It's just like lots of tear sheets from from glossy magazines, but in a much easier to consume. Sort oh, okay. of I like it. I, I do. I, I'm unashamed <laughs> a consumer of nicely taken there photographs. And once it understands your genre, it's actually pretty good. I don't like Instagram, which is the one that everyone. Instagram yeah. is massive now. I've never understood Facebook. I cannot navigate through Facebook. And I don't intend to learn. I, you know, I have enough of my time is sucked out by the vampire Twitter. Um, did you want to add anything to? Well, not particularly. I mean, I'm just I'm I'm surprised that uh, Facebook has had a bump at all because it did feel like it was on a downward spiral. You know, it, mm. I think a big company yeah. like that changing its name is never a good sign. It implies yeah. that things. I it think is the, the end of metaverse days. thing is quite clever though that they have now positioned themselves early on that and a bit like Elon Musk, mm. who is now the wealthiest man in the world in what is still an infant uh, and a technology in its infancy. You know, electric yeah. cars. That's where all the, the you know the bait. And again, I think. Facebook are probably correct in, in seeing that we are going to take another paradigmatic shift at some point and move sure. further into the metaverse. Well, I'm staying off it. You know, I'm, well, yeah. I'm not going down that It's kind point. of terrifying, but at the same time, I think the built environment around us is becoming so unbearably ugly precisely because people don't really live there anymore, you know, mm -hmm. so you're going to have to choose whether, whether you want to live in the ruins of the previous civilization or move into the, the uh, VR the headset, yeah. you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Government's still struggling to work out how to fund the BBC. Any suggestions? Well, yes, and Nadine Doris, the Culture Secretary, has described the licence fee as totally outdated, and obviously this is an ongoing uh, debate, but this it, now it seems to be the death knell. Hmm. Uh, ministers are basically saying it will go. Uh, the BBC's Royal Charter expires in 2027, which means that the government has got these next five years to implement some kind of alternative scheme. Yep. Um, I mean, I think ultimately, you know, she's right. In, in this age of streaming services and digital platforms yep. and things, it, it is uh, antediluvian, this idea that, that everyone pays for this service that we all share, because the truth is a lot of people just don't watch the BBC and aren't interested and no. there's something very reasonable about saying you know you should get the services that you pay for and, and if you don't want to watch them you shouldn't have to pay for them. There was a thing um, I think it was well, since we started broadcasting about three months ago Adel Ray the uh, the uh, I think it's a BBC breakfast presentation yep. and so on he shared an advert from about 1985 hosted yeah. by well, John John uh, Cleese in a mm. pub remember that one and it was being served by um, I can't remember who it was. It wasn't Leo McKern, was it? Okay. Anyway, he was being served by another a well-known actor from BBC Drama, and he was like, oh, "I don't see what you get for the license fee." And the pub turns out to be full of people like David Attenborough and you know Gary Lynn and all the rest of them. And he was like, "This is what you get for." You. And he was like, "It was a total own goal because it just made you realise how absolutely central to British culture the BBC had been in 1985, and how impossible it would be to make an advert like that now." Yeah, you know, they just don't have that cast of of figures who are welcomed in on a daily basis into all our lives. I mean, same thing with the people who have been listing the, the great comedies that the BBC have produced, but they're yeah. all over 20 years old. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I think the BBC has been failing. And yeah. um, it's... Go on, sorry. Well, I mean, I, having when I moved here 22 years ago, and I mean, I remember finding out I had to pay a TV licence, a TV... I was yeah. just affronted. As an American, I can't pay that. But then I started to look at how few commercials I was having to Quite watch. And if you yeah. watch American broadcast television, which I know not everybody does anymore, but it's a commercial every 10 minutes. I it's know. It's just crazy. And I think that the BBC is kind of one of those things that uh, people say they're not using it, but I think that it just it has it's still part of the no, life in different agree. ways. But you don't have to watch you know, adverts on streaming services either. No, well, but you, you I know, feel ambivalent the, about it. I have to say because I agree with you. And it, apart from not only you could watch it and not see any adverts, that also 
provided a bulwark even on ITV. They didn't have as many adverts as exactly. they would have liked to have had because they knew that people go, oh, I can't stand this, too many adverts, yeah. I'm going to watch the BBC. Yeah. So it was, it was a very effective... But you're right, of course, streaming services and if you pay... I mean, I think we've got to be looking now at constantly updating and upgrading and keeping an open mind as to how content is paid for. Just a slightly different example, but if you go, if you do, again, read content on Twitter, if you, if you want to read articles, there's a lot of articles where they go, if you want to read more than one article a month from The Atlantic, an American news organisation, you know, you have to subscribe. Yeah. I'm like, I just want to read two articles. I'm not <laughs> going to pay $5 a month for two articles. Even like newspapers, of course, The, the, the Guardian famously, you know, yeah. allows you to watch, lo read loads of them and then the Telegraph is the paywall. We've got to try and work out some way that allows people to just pay as they go, pay what they want. Well, they have to. to. You know, because I, it, it, none of it makes sense at the moment. It's, everyone's kind of, like, in the dark and... Um, but even, I think even fans of the BBC are, yeah. are, are, are recognising that it's outdated. Surely yeah. it's outdated. But the website is is very popular. The, the, the radio stations are taken... For, the, none of these things would cost as much, you know, and you yeah. could have a subscription. I can't see how they would, how they would overcome it, but... I always felt so many own goals. For instance, I know he did punch a producer, but honestly, Jeremy Clarkson was the absolute, like, prize, you know, <laughs> bull of the whole network. His top gear was the single biggest earner worldwide, but yeah. the left came for him relentlessly. They regarded his presence on the BBC as an affront. Ultimately, he committed, you know, arguably, a, a, you know, it, that was enough of a... Uh, well, that's a criminal a, offence. A, a right? criminal yeah. offence that well, it's just he had one to producer go. Is what you're But saying. he had been. They had relentlessly campaigned that Top Gear that, that, could I mean, be taken off because they found it unacceptable. That's another. That's Their another, channel had it had this an, kind of right wing laddish presenter. That's another issue. Is that the BBC at this point is so ideologically captured yeah. to the extent that it probably can't be rescued. And I know no. Tim Davies made overtures to try and do so, but it actually is probably too late. And everyone who works at the BBC knows this, by the way. Yeah. You know, even and so they're going down laughing and fighting and, yeah. you know, creating. It's like so many things. I'm just going to say this and then we'll move on. But it's, there's, there are lots of examples of this, but none more so than the BBC. They are afraid that their audience is growing old and so they desperately try and appeal to the young and they ignore the old. And the young aren't interested. The young continue to watch YouTube and, and TikTok videos and the old are alienated and go elsewhere as well, and they sink. If they would just at least nurture, cultivate, even flatter people over 40, continue... And, and like, they would probably survive on that basis. You know, they could probably continue to, to fund the news service, fund all the local radio stations... Fun programs like, you know, Antiques Roto or whatever, and and just stop with this endless attempt to, to curry favour with eighteen year olds who oh. really don't know they exist. Or yeah. the solution is to get young people into the Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> that might be yeah. possible. Do it that way. Eric Daily Mail now, and they've got it in for some young layabout by the sound of it. Oh yes. So Daily Mail. This is a classic Daily Mail article. Um, so basically, this is covering <laughs> all of the protests that happened um, on the M25 with people yeah. taking over a couple of petrol stations, um, and they they focused on the people that are doing the protest in this article. Uh, specifically, Lewis McNenny. I'm not sure. Spent um, who had previously spent a month and a half in prison for um, doing other blocking the motorway last year, but this time was at vandalizing petrol pumps 
and um, using a mallet and an aerosol can, um, attacking the petrol pumps, who were really the victims. With a know, mallet. The, with a mallet. It's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> extreme. It reminded me of <laughs> that scene in, in The Jerk, where Steve Martin is there trying to yeah. protect the cans of oil. Oh. Why do they hate these cans of oil? Um, the, I love that he was a John Lennon lookalike. That's I mean, the thing. That's <laughs> because that's the thing that the Daily Mail talked about, his background and the fact that he was a John Lennon lookalike, which, you know, as a stand-up, that's the thing you, you want, is to be able to go and say, I know what you're thinking, it's John Lennon here attacking these petrol pumps. Um, but uh, it's just, there's a lot of profile sisters in here. One, Stephanie Golder, 34, in case you're interested. Um, charity worker from Essex said that she was sick and tired of being treated like a criminal as so, she kind of did a criminal act, yeah, allegedly. Yeah. Um, but um, this, I, this is not the way to win people's confidence. No, it's not. I mean, I mean again and again, the, what is it about the environmental protesters? Why do they keep annoying people? Because, you know, it's, it, I'm, peaceful protest is so important, and a lot of people would yeah. support their cause mm. if they stopped smashing everything up and stopping people going to hospital, right? But it, it's 90% ego, isn't it? It's about wanting themselves to be at the heart of something. That's all they can think to do. So. Well, who was the group that... It was an environmental group smashing up the windows of that bank with hammers that said, the word love and peace on the hammers. Yeah. I mean, this is absurd. On the energy crisis, there's another story today, Andrew, an encouraging new source of fuel for the year uh, to keep the lights on over winter. Yes, these are the... Uh, so, again, this is another, this is another <coughs> example of the, um, the government sort of ch changing direction uh, as a response to problems. So, obviously, we've got these fears of a Europe-wide gas shortage uh, as a result of the, the, the war in Ukraine. And uh, the government had planned and had pledged that coal uh, power would be phased out by October 2024. Mm -hmm. And there were all of these various uh, power stations that were in line to shut. Um, but now the government's saying, actually, we're going to provide millions of pounds of subsidies in order to keep you open because we're going to have a shortage. And actually, yeah. this, is, this, is, this is what we're going to have to do. But they are saying, the government is saying, that this is a kind of stopgap solution. They're not revising their pledge to... Um, to uh, you know, wean us yeah. off coal power by October It's a kick in the teeth for the Great Reset theory, at any rate, isn't it? Because there's a lot of people who think that the war in Ukraine and indeed the pandemic and everything else was sort of basically created. They were, they were, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, warming us up for the Great Reset, for the, for the green energy uh, revolution. Yeah. It turns out that with, <laughs> after three months of rising gas prices, they're, they're willing to sort of burn cow dung and, and witches in order to keep them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like... I, I think this is great news. I'm looking forward to seeing more chimney sweeps. And yeah. The, 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 you know, the, the London fog coming it's Part back. of the British character. It's great. Definitely. Yeah. Put a bit of texture in the sky. Uh, this next story, <laughs> Eric, from The Telegraph. My main objection, as you know, is that they didn't go with the, the Jerry Rafferty soundtrack yes. tonight, Al. But had, uh, what's the story? We had a good discussion about the soundtrack of this particular advert. Um, in The Telegraph, Samsung have been accused of being tone deaf over an advert that has a lone woman... Uh, running down the street at night, and yeah. she's wearing with her earbuds, with her earbuds in, whatever, with her, not earbuds, I think, with a Samsung, so smart can, watch yeah. and her Samsung phone. Um, so critics are saying that the one-minute advert, you know, it doesn't reflect the true dangers of women being out at night. The true dangers of women—that's a thing that needs to be reflected. The in true more dangers adverts. of women. Yeah. That's yeah. The, what the telegraph. Not two that's women, what the but all women. <laughs> the true danger. Um, yeah. but, I mean, it, it isn't a very realistic advert. For one thing, the woman is jogging in a city and she smiles at someone else, and they smile back she's at her. Back. She actually so gets a high five from a. Yeah, a guy on a scaffold it's not based on reality. No. But they weren't um, thinking about those things, were they, when they made this happen? No, I mean, I, I do think it's a little bit of kind of victim-blaming to say, well, we can't show a woman doing something yeah, that right. women should be able to do. Exactly. And so do we reflect that in an advert, or do we try and say, well, women can't... Which women 
can't probably do that and feel safe, and that's a problem. I don't know if they can do it and feel safe. That's obviously, you're, you're talking about a state of mind there. Whether they statistically are safe is an interesting question. I, the, well, the city she's in, it's hard to say, well, it looks as if it's Belgium to me. It's this yeah. sort of like quite continental architecture. Mm. But I wonder if you do go running, if you are fit and healthy, as she clearly is, and you go running. I think a lot of, I mean, the statistics, as you know, is I'm sure you do know that more men are attacked at night, actually, than women. I mean, there is, you know, there's a, there's a perception and how safe you feel, and then there's the stats. Yeah. I suspect a fit young woman running in high-end jogging gear through a virtually deserted street is probably is pretty safe, actually. I would have know? thought, but also, it, it is just an advert. Yeah. I can, it it's, it's, it does feel like an, fantasy, over, an overreaction. Yeah. If she to... suddenly sprouted wings and flew, that would be probably fine. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, they, they, she's just pitched it I don't to think the uncanny valley. I don't though. think the criticism that they are being flippant about the dangers to female safety is fair. No. Because quite obviously they weren't. Yeah. You know, that's not... It's, it's, it's an advert. And then finally... The Metro next, and what I'm calling the bovine emission lowering cow harness or belch. Yeah, so <laughs> the, sure. this is a so the Prince Charles has met with um, a, uh, a group of scientists or, or people, uh, cow experts, who have uh, created <laughs> what they're calling in this headline in the Metro a gimp mask for cows. I've seen a photo, it doesn't look like a gimp mask. So just what you're imagining, you know, the you Pulp Fiction mask, yeah. it, that's not what's going on here. It's not got a zip and a, like a rubbery feel. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not a fetishy <laughs> thing. Um, but it's a thing that actually um, uh, deals with the methane that emerges when a cow belches mm. and somehow, I don't understand the science, somehow dissipates it and Prince Charles is very well, impressed they, by the this. The Australians have underpants that work on this basis. Is that right? They get advertised in service station toilets. I, yes. can't, I can't remember the brand's name, but they, they well, claim I mean, that they you know, carbon well, capture. But apparently, you know, the, 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 the methane from cows is a major contributory factor to, oh, yeah. to global warming. And uh, so they're talking about... But, but what's interesting about this is when Charles visits these experts, they claim that the face device doesn't bother the cows at all. Wonderful. How do they know? Amazing. Well, that is all we have time for. Thank you very much, my guests. I've been Simon Evans. I've been joined by Andrew Drawlinane, Eric McElroy. And tomorrow night, I think you're with Mark Dolan, I would imagine. Thank you very much. Good night.